This episode of the Productivityist Podcast is brought to you by the Now Year Wall Calendar. The Now Year Calendar can give you the bird's eye view you'll need to help you ensure that you can get the things you need to do, ought to do, and want to do in 2019 done. I have a special offer for Productivityist Podcast listeners that I'm going to release to you during this episode, so you want to stick around and hear that so you can get a special deal on the Now Year Calendar. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. This week on the show, other than me, Mike Vardy, your host, you're going to hear Joe Ferraro. Him and I are going to chat about a ton of things, but about Joe, he is, uh, you know, a a podcaster. Uh, he hosts the One Percent Better podcast. He's also a teacher. You know, he he helps dissect the mindset, language, and behavior of daily improvement across the worlds of business communication and education. We had a great time. We chatted for more than I usually chat with someone because we just had so much to kind of dig into. We talked about how making one change can change so much more. We talked about the power of working towards getting 1% better. We talked about where Joe starts with others when they are starting to adopt habits and build rituals. Uh, We talked about embracing things that are rather unconventional and what most people that do that end up achieving and what the outcomes that they find and and just a lot more. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. And so let's just start unpacking. Here's my conversation with Joe Ferraro here on the Productivityist podcast. I'd like to welcome Joe Ferraro to the Productivityist podcast. Joe, thanks for joining me today. Mike, what an honor, man. Thank you. I've seen your guest list. So uh, the expectations for your audience, <laughs> they're high, but I, I want to be here for you. I love your work and, and, and I'm ready to go. Well, thanks so much. I mean, I, you know, it's it's funny when when I'm doing a lot of these uh, discussions and I, I like to call them discussions or conversations because and, and even earlier today, because today's my audio day, this is when I do all of the all of my conversations with guests. Uh, you know, it, there's talking points that jump out right away. And then it just turns into a conversation, which I think is just it it just creates more of a, an intimate, you know, kind of experience for anybody listening. And, you know, I have some tells when things aren't going well. We won't, we will not have those. But if I start asking you, and like, so tell me about the tools you use or the apps you use. There's a little inside secret. If you hear that, I'm like, okay, I've run out of, I've run out. Like, there's, I'm tapped. There's nothing left for me to, we're going to start talking about apps now. Uh, it's <laughs> then, funny. Then, then you know. <laughs> no, you know, it's amazing that you say that because I've been in awe of your command of apps, right? When I think of you and your work, it's like you have this, this ecosystem under the Mike Marty, Mike Vardy project, and it's just flowing. So I, I'm, I like that. I like going in a different direction. It's good stuff. Well, we can. And, and the thing is, I'm not averse to talk about apps at all. But the problem with apps, too, and uh, let's start there, because, I mean, the idea of and you, uh, as the host of the 1% Better podcast, like apps can help. The tools are definitely something that you can leverage. But I think that the biggest problem when it comes to um, implementing change or or improvement is that people, most people that, that I've worked with, and I mean, it's a generalization here. They say, well, if I get the app, whether it's an Evernote or an OmniFocus or an Asana or a Todoist or Trello, or we could go on and on, um, that the app is not the thing. It's the thing that can help you leverage the thing, but you need to uh, go into these kind of um apps with some kind of framework in place, some intention in place, because the apps, they're really only designed to bring attention to those intentions. Would you agree? 
Oh, 100%. You bring to mind so many different thoughts. And one of those is when you're working with a coaching client or when you're mentoring somebody and you ask them what tool they're using, and then there's that moment where they reveal their tool. And you may know that you've moved three tools beyond that in terms of what's really the most productive for you. But what do you do at that moment? You don't say, well, there's a better one out there. They're just jazzed up about learning that. So I do think you're right on the mark when you think about it, right? If you're going to get better every day, it really has very little to do at times with the optimal tool, right? We can fall in love with what's best. But honestly, what's best for the person, it supersedes it so dramatically that I'm 100% with you. As I prepared for our talk, I was like a little bit imposter syndrome kicking in. I was like, Mike has this system down. He has his system. And I have to remind myself that just because that's so optimal for you doesn't mean that has to be the way I go about productivity. Right, and yeah. I, and you see that every day. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that happens and what, what having studied productivity for the better part of a decade now and systems that are that are supposed to help with time management productivity is that there is no one size fits all solution. You could no matter which one you, you mean traction, getting things done, uh, you know, all the, the Covey method. There's so many of those. Again, that could be an entire conversation in and of itself. I think elements of those are what people need to embrace. I think the problem, again, lies with, I'm going to try it all. And if it doesn't work, they th- kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. If, if, if there's one hiccup in the road, uh, they, they, they drop everything. And I think that, that to what your, what your work is, is kind of going into is the idea of making one change instead of, for example, with me, instead of me saying, Hey, you know, when you're theming a day, don't theme all seven theme one, start there and then see how that works. And then make, you know, changes once you've seen if that first off, if that theme is the right one, secondly, if it's on the right day and so on and so forth. I think the biggest problem, and and I want to hear your take on this is when people try to do too much all at once, because they are either looking at what others have and what they don't have, or they hit that new year's cycle where they're like, Oh, it's time, time for me to do my resolution. And it's going to be this big, massive undertaking. What do you see when it comes to to this? And, And how do you help people affect change in a way that is not only realistic, but actually doable. Yeah, you know what's hard is because when you look at the overall scope of it, it would be better to theme all seven days in an ideal world where everything is equal. You know, <laughs> the old the old high school econ, Centaurus Paribus. If everything's equal, sure, I want you to do all seven because then you have it all cooking. But the reality is that's not sustainable. And often you'll never get to all seven if you if you try to start with seven at once. And I think in the Instagram world that you and I co you know cohabitate to some degree, it, you only see when you're at that seventh point. What I found to be incredibly freeing about my work, and maybe I, I was ahead of my time in thinking about this for myself, it, it allows me, since I'm only telling you I wanted you to get 1% better, it gives me so much freedom to say, I would love to 10X your results today. But what I found is over the course of 365 days, it's the 1% gains. It's the tiny margins. It's the slow growth that's not at all sexy. But all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you don't know where you are in a good way. So when people say, I want a 10X, let's do it. But I, I don't know a way to do that, Mike, and do it sustainably. You know, and I'm the easiest metaphor for me. And I know you, you, know, you, you like a good food and beverage. The, the crash diet. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, I want to I want to lose 20 pounds by spring break. The problem is, you know, and I know it's coming back. 
Whereas if we can kind of scope out a little bit and see a 365-day horizon, which, by the way, is incredibly hard to do, it's super, super powerful. The image that, that I've caught on to lately that really works you know, incredibly well for clients and for people that I, that I work with, you know, the headlights of a car. I mean, I think I looked up that they can only see 60 feet ahead, but you can drive all the way to Texas that way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that may be corny, but, but man, you know, think about writing a book. Think about, you know, a fitness journey, you know, fitness journey. Think about, you know, trying to get just a little bit better. If you're focused on the here and now, you wake up one day and, and you're unrecognizable. How big are you on triggers, like avatars, visual avatars? I'm looking at my office right now. I'm looking around. I mean, here's a great example. Um, we talked about before jumping on, and, and I know we try to make these as timeless as possible, these conversations, but I've really just, uh, especially in, in, in the later part of uh, one of my monthly themes is Time Crafting TV, which is my new YouTube channel slash show slash whatever it is. It's really more of a... a, a uh, a work in progress slash concept than anything else. But when I was at a, a conference called Grow With Video Live, uh, there was a booth there, uh, vidIQ, which uh, Jeremy Vest was there, and he had uh, these sunglasses. Now, you've been to a number of conferences, I'm sure. Uh, sunglasses aren't exactly the, you don't go to a conference and go, oh my gosh, there's finally some sunglasses here as swag. Literally every every conference I've been to, I could come home with two to three pairs of sunglasses. Now the tricky part is my my eyewear that I wear are already sunglasses. I don't wear contacts um, because my eyes just dry out, so I have to wear these. So wearing actual sunglasses, they're kind of useless to me. But these sunglasses were were white frames with dark shades, and I've been looking at. Um, things like the how MTV got started and the first video that MTV played and this is in my first episode of Time Crafting TV I talked about the first video was from 1979 it was called Video Killed the Radio Star I'm sure you've heard that song before but the lead singer was wearing these white rimmed sunglasses and I thought this I'm going to take one of these sunglasses and I'm going to bring them and it's in my it's in my office they're actually sitting on my one of my uh, shelves in my office and I look at it and I go okay this is my focus is video these sunglasses represent despite all the camera gear and all the other stuff I have in here now that's there's that's the intention that's the that's the the waypoint do you have stuff like that and do you like and if you do what is it to kind of encourage you to to uh, continue with the change and continue to grow and continue to stay focused on, on the task and or the goal that you have in mind. As I talk to you now, I'm staring at nine books. You know, Mike, I probably own 2,200 books and I'm looking at nine of those um, and, and a little tchotchke from one of my favorite writers. And these are right in my line of vision as we speak. And, you know, I never really thought about the deeper you know, name for it or what I was actually doing. But when I cleaned out a little space to have a studio in the home, I wanted to have a spot right here, which would represent, you know, good feelings. Let's start with good vibes, right? Mm -hmm. Let's create the environment where it's good vibes, very pedestrian way to say it. But then the more I look into it, it's like, well, these are either authors I've interviewed on the show or one or two authors that I've been trying to get on the show that I'd love to speak with. And also, you know, now that you said it, and I think this is the first time it came to mind, I was not a huge reader growing up. So in my work in the classroom, I, con I constantly remind 17 and 18 year old kids, it's not too late to become a reader. That's complete nonsense. The stories are well documented of people who began reading after college. You think, well, if I don't read before I, no. 
So I think now a part of me, you're calling this to mind. I'm looking at these books on personal growth and and development and people that I really admire. And I didn't start reading till till after college in terms of actually choosing things that I'm really into. So 100%, I have to agree with you. My environment is shaped. You got a little inspiration right in front of me. And, and you know what one of my friends tells me all the time? It tells a story. Mm-hmm. And if the story is there, it, it's, it's a really powerful reminder. Let's talk about story for a second in, in, in your body of work with the podcast. Because first off, I mean, I've been podcasting for a long time now, various iterations. In fact, this this show in and of itself is probably the longest because it's kind of finally my show and I think I've settled in. It took me a while. What, what about you? When The podcast itself, the impetus for starting the podcast, and then what story does the thread of your podcast, what, what is it? What is it? What does it tell? And is it the, is it the story that you actually want it to tell? Wow, that's a great question. And uh, there's a few ways I can approach that. One is I, I, I feel like in some ways I was one of the, the oldest podcasters because when I was seven years old, I had a closed fist in my hand and I'm going to the dinner table and I'm interviewing my mom on how she thought the lasagna was. And then I'm <laughs> how, was my grand- how, how was it? How was it lasagna? Well, it was always just off the charts, Mike, in my house. But um, even even more, you know, character rich, I'd go to my grandmother's house. And I was the oldest of 27 grandchildren. And we would have just the only way to put it is violent wiffle ball games. I mean, just insane, just balls bouncing off the house, things that I would never stand for today. I don't know if that makes me a good father or a bad one. But I was the lunatic that would hit the double and then I would grab an imaginary microphone and interview my my cousin. I would literally have we didn't have video, but you're interviewing your cousin. How did it feel to hit a walk off Grand Slam at Klamovich Field like great Polish name? And and I'm thinking now as I go back on my journey that that was there was always something in it for me to say, what is it that you felt? And I always took pride, Mike, in trying to ask the additional question. You know, I don't know how we we think about our own work, but for me, you know, I'm very attracted to the art of the follow up question. I, I feel like, you know, that 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 extra piece that no one ever says, not the why so much, but the how I feel like we often overlook that. Mm-hmm. So in terms of trying to link it back to my work today, I, I'm not just saying, you know, is your way the best way, but I like how I get to unpack someone's story of how did they get here? Because it's usually I struggled, it was tough, and now I, I have a boat and, and three houses. Right. And there's just so much story in between. So it's, it's not, and I, I don't want to mislead people, I'm not heavy on biography. I know some people really get into biography. But we do need to, on my show, get into inflection points. And when I learn from people, I, I feel like, what series of decisions did you make that paid off big? And I feel like that's a big piece of what I try to unpack on a daily basis on the show, or at least on a weekly basis. Okay, so let's turn this around. What decisions did you make? What small or big ones that, that paid off big in your work, in your life, and what you do? Well, I remember I, I went to college to, to play baseball. You know, I, And again, when you mentor young people, the number one piece of advice they tell you is not to go to college just for sports. And I bristle at that a little bit, not just because it worked for me, but but I feel like sometimes that word motivation gets a little wonky. We don't know how to define it. And is it overrated? Is it underrated? Well, the way I look at it is sometimes that's the only ticket for someone to get into that academic arena. So if I'm not going there for baseball, and I was an average to, to above average, not great student in high school, but without baseball, 
I couldn't have seen myself in a college environment where I would have been able to rub elbows with with intellectuals, with people that are interested in, in, in books and et cetera. So when I went to school for baseball and realized pretty quickly at the Division One level, I, I just wasn't going to get called by, by the local major league club anytime soon, I had to start thinking about other things. And I was majoring in communications, literature and communications. And, but I, as I mentioned, I didn't read a lot back then. Mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of craft my experience more towards communications and get the same degree. And when I ended up adding a minor in education, now I had this package which would allow me to be a teacher if I wanted to be a teacher, do some communications work, and I didn't have to read 85 books from American literature. And as I look at my work today, I'm constantly reading nonfiction. I'm not against fiction or literature, but it's those pieces of, of literature that you can read that can help you tomorrow, that you can take an idea from, right? The book costs $19, and all of a sudden people say that's an expensive book. Meanwhile, if you get one idea from it, it can change your entire life. So I've often thought about that. And I just think that that idea of kind of being able to sculpt my own experience. So many of the people I went to school with, they think that the rules are rules. Well, well you're a literature communication major, but you got to take British literature. But you ask an additional question or two and all of a sudden you end up with a degree that, that really you crafted. So right. that's a long way of saying that I think that, you know, without sounding, you know, too grandiose, we, we have such an opportunity to kind of craft our own story. The rules that we thought when we were kids, they, they don't exist. So you really have these opportunities to kind of find pockets. And that's why when I speak to people on the podcast, they're just so rare that they follow conventional rules, right? We, we see that all the time, time and time again. They don't follow conventional paths. And it's just been something that's fascinated me. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. We're going to take a break from the show now to talk about this week's sponsor. And this week's sponsor is something that's near and dear to my heart. It's the Now Year Wall Calendar. It's available in tall or wide orientation. And I've crafted this in conjunction with NewYear.net. We've been doing this for the past few years. I really love having my entire year at a glance on the wall in my office so I can do things like map out vacation, uh, put certain uh, waypoints and benchmarks that I want to plan out, things that I wouldn't necessarily put uh, in uh, Google Calendar or wouldn't necessarily see in my digital calendar. They go on this wall calendar so I can look at it and know where my commitments lie, uh, both big and small. Uh, things that also go in this calendar are like, you know, my daily themes. Uh, my my monthly themes go on here as well, as well as the three words that I use to help me guide my year. It's a big calendar, 25 inches by 36 inches, and shows you the whole year at once. 
there's no gaps. So it's, it's continuous, which is great. It's beautiful. It's, it's really got some great functional features and very minimalist. If, if that's your thing, uh, it spans all 12 months from January to December of 2019. So if you start your year in January, I don't, but I mean, the January to December traditional calendar year is what this calendar is designed for. It's paper surface. So the great thing about that is first off, it keeps the cost a little bit lower. Number one. Number two is that you kind of have to commit. I mean, you could write it down in, in, in pencil, uh, which is, which is fine. And I often do that. I'll write things down in pencil on the calendar. Once I solidify them, then I use a, a Sharpie, different color Sharpies to signify what realm of my life that that, that area is going to fall into that task, that date, whatever. And that way I can see it and know immediately at a glance, hey, this is related to productivity. This is related to my personal life. This is family stuff, all right at a glance. So you can use pencil as kind of like your rough draft, and then you can use uh, Sharpies or, or color pens or whatever to kind of make it uh, permanent. And that that shows a commitment. There's also a legend on this thing as well. So you can see, hey, what does this color mean? And, and so on and so forth. It's got larger boxes. The weeks start with Monday. I start my week on Sundays, I know, but Monday is traditionally uh, the day that most people start their weekend. And a lot of calendars start with Sundays because that's how the Gregorian calendar has been assembled. And, you know, it's it's just a really, really uh, clean looking calendar. Uh, I wish I had this thing out earlier this year. We, we you know, we, we didn't really have it out as early as I wanted. So I wanted to get it out now and I wanted to provide you with the ability to get it and put it up on your wall and start using it right away. So if you go to newyear.net slash products slash now year, now hyphen year, so newyear.net, and that's N-E-U-Y-E-A-R.net slash products slash now hyphen year, you will be able to pick up this calendar. I'll link to it in the show notes, but also if you enter the code fresh start, you'll get 20% off the calendar up until Groundhog Day 2019, which is another day that I kind of do a, a bit of a, a restart to my year or reboot. So uh, again, Go to newyear.net, that's N-E-U-Y-E-A-R.net slash products slash now hyphen year, and then enter the code Fresh Start to get your now year annual wall calendar brought to you by Productivityist and newyear.net. I'd like to thank Jesse at New Year for putting this thing together. I really do appreciate it. We've had a great relationship, and uh, I look forward to hearing what you do with that calendar uh, and, and take advantage of that 20% off offer while it lasts. I want to talk a bit about unconvention and, and being unconventional because you're right. Like, I mean, uh, the guests I've had on my show, the people I've encountered, you know, in, in my space and, and, and not my space, the, the social media platform. Uh, but <laughs> for those that remember it, <laughs> oh, um, man. man, if there was actually, let's, let's, I want to touch a bit about the reading aspect. Cause I'm, I'm a nonfiction uh, reader myself. I have a little bit of fiction that I read, but I'm, I'm more into the nonfiction stuff. Uh, and I'm looking at my books right now. I've got a slew of them. I don't have as many as you do, but I, I do have a lot of books that, I, you know, and I've some of which I've read and some I'm, I'm they're slightly pulled out because they need to be read. But what of the books that is there any one or a couple of books that you read that you didn't quite recognize what the what they were going to offer you? They're rather unconventional that all of a sudden you're like, wow, this book, this book has been maybe not a game changer, but it's, it's added some perspective that I, I just didn't think about. Like one I'm looking at right now. I mean, I'm a big Green Lantern fan. And so there was actually an Amazon book that I got called Green Lantern and Philosophy. 
I'm like, this is really cool. I can take two things that I really, you know, I mean, the one thing I really like, which is Green Lantern. And I really love to think about thoughts and insights and things. And so to combine those, I mean, there was some stuff in there that I'm like, this is really, really smart stuff. Same thing with uh, Creative Quest by Questlove, a book that I didn't really, I mean, I wanted to read because I heard good things about it, but there's some stuff in there that I'm like, wow, okay, this this has shifted my perspective a bit. Any, any couple of books that come to mind that did that for you? Well, the first one that just springs immediately to mind is something I shared in a conversation recently, uh, which is Tuesdays with Maury, believe it or not. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think Mitch, that Mitch Albom, right? Yeah, Mitch Albom. And he was, you know, I watched him growing up on the sports reporters. He was the guy from the Detroit Free Press at press. And then he goes on to to write this book that if you want to be critical about it, it was uh, it was sappy, except I'm not comfortable being critical about it because it was a true story. Mm-hmm. So. The, the beautiful part of that book is it, it taught me a lot of things and, and, and it taught me things beyond the book. So for instance, I was student teaching. My mentor gave me the book. So now you get this hardcover book. It smells good. It's a very understated cover. You start reading it. You read it in one night. Now you realize it's about life and mentorship. It's about how quickly our days go by. Maurice, his teacher, dies of ALS. This is a story that you wouldn't believe if it was fiction. You know, but it turns out to be nonfiction. Mitch was the student who lost his way and goes back to see him every Tuesday. So now as I look at my work today, I like the idea of, and it, and it could probably resonate with you, claiming your day, right? Mm-hmm. So this was Tuesday. Nobody claims Tuesdays, right? There's even that Seinfeld meme on it, like Tuesday has no feel except Mitch Album claimed Tuesday. Yep. So there's that ritual. You know about rituals, right? So the ritual of seeing, you know, Maury every day. We got that. Then we have the mentoring piece took me too long to re- to remind myself that in any walk of life, when you're talking about learning and education, the content is secondary. It sounds crazy, but without connecting as a human being, without realizing that your best interest, you have the best interest in mind, the content and the wisdom doesn't matter because you're never going to be able to get it. So I could write a, a poem about the effect that book had on me, but the reality is it just, it's always more than one thing. And I feel like maybe if there's one takeaway for anyone listening who's not a huge reader yet, the book that your favorite book often is when it finds you at a specific time in your life. Right. And there's absolutely no way to prepare for that. I re- so, yeah. I remember reading The Go-Giver and I was listening to the audio right? Yeah. Listen to the audiobook, and I, I'm washing the dishes and I started to like, I could, I got all the feels. <laughs> like, why is that? And it was just because, and it was a parable. And parables are really um, because Tuesdays with Maury, yeah, tricky. well, and, 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 and I would imagine I've not read Tuesdays with Maury, but the, it's from what I gather, it's written in a parable style. Now it's obviously nonfiction, so it's not a parable per se, but I mean, even, um, what's it called? Uh, even, uh, the richest man in Babylon, uh, the one minute manager, um, even, even, um, the way of the peaceful warrior, which as soon as you started talking about Tuesdays with Maury, I'm like, oh, Dan Millman's book like that. There was some elements of, of that in there. And I think that, that that comes back to the story, like to story, right? And and you can find things in the stories of others that can help you tell a better story yourself. Yeah, and I and if I could jump in, I just want to say that if for for people saying, "Well, now I'm going to go, t- you know, test this man's reading taste." I'm not saying that Tuesdays with Maury is going to be the book you need to read next. Right. I mean, that if nothing else. It exemplifies how a book finds you when when you need it or it doesn't. I don't even know that someone listening should go out and read that book now because you have the story. But if it were to have found you at the time when you needed it, then it's a complete game changer. So then, you know, in terms of just an addition to that, 
I look at something as contemporary as outliers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's I know it's been so popularized that it's almost not cool to say that you love that book, but my goodness, Gladwell did something where he was able to grab stories of success that were unconventional that involved timing and didn't poo-poo the value of luck. And you know, that's my sweet spot. So that's another one completely in a different vein that I that I go uh goo gaga over. Let's let's talk a little bit more about habits and and these small changes. We talked about rituals and, and you touched on that a little bit. Um I think rituals are a lot like we talked about theming time off the off right off the cuff and 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 people get caught up in ritual and routine without building single habits or small changes first. When you work with people or when you talk about this stuff or even for yourself, where where do you start with that so that you can build uh, a ritual without just again saying, okay, well, I need a morning routine or I need an evening routine. So let me, let me add the eight steps now, as opposed to just slow and steady winning the race. Yeah. I start with what can you cut out? You know, it's, it's the, I never, I I love words and I never knew that the the root word of the word decide comes from to cut off. Yeah. I heard that from Tony (laughs) Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. and, And I got it from Todd Henry and, and, you know, episode 32, we talk about that, but but I love how, you know, and, and, and attribution is always tough now because there's so many, the, the ideas fly so fast. So we always want to give credit, but it's hard. But to cut off, right? If you do an audit of your life, I mean, listen, when, when I was at my, my worst in fitness, I would never want to keep a food journal, right? When we're talking about finances, you never want to write down your monthly spending because you come face to face with reality. And I'm very, very anti-shame. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't like the word. I don't like people. I think people are too hard on themselves. So I want to be very clear when you, when I advise people, what they can, they cut off. It is not from a place of judgment. It is from a place of I've been there. I have to cut something out and, and it can be as simple as the change I made a few years ago now where I, I was drinking two cups of coffee in the morning with cream and sugar and it was absolutely delicious. And then I said, wait a minute, the amount of calories that I'm ingesting before I get to work, we got a problem here. So mm-hmm. it can be that simple. It can be as it can be medium, right? Cutting off. You don't have to cut out all TV, I would argue. But, you know, what television show is really not filling your bucket, right? It can be that. And it can go as an ex, as extreme, especially when you're working with young people of the Jim Rohn, the Jim Rohn quote. Who are the five people you spend the most time with? I yep. mean, that quote is a cliche because it's so true. People do not like to hear it. But I often say on my show and when I do you know, videos and talks, you may very well have to break up with a friend. You know, you could be listening right now and say you love Sheila. She's a great time. You probably have to break up with her. Sheila, it's not you. It's me. I've changed. We've grown apart. Whatever narrative you have to say, you probably have a Sheila or a Zach in your life that has to go. So when I work with someone and what I want to encourage people to do is before you add something, a new friend, a new app, what is it that you can cut off that you can decide just no longer helps you be the person that you are? And that comes back to the very beginning of our conversation when we talk about apps and tools and approaches, right? Like, I mean, before you take on something new, either figure out what doesn't serve you anymore, or maybe even figure out if it can still serve you if you approach it differently, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, connecting the dots, the, the story we tell ourselves, that language is so, so powerful. Even as something as, oh, I hate running, I tell myself. And then all of a sudden, how am I going to hate running if I want to be fit? 
maybe it doesn't have to be running, but, but the point is there are things that you have to decide what kind of person do you want to be tomorrow? And what kind of person do you want to be in a year? I talk a lot about the power of 365 days. And I feel like if you can imagine the kind of person you would like to be, you got to start walking in that direction, right? Find that North star, start walking in that direction and counterintuitively, if you start walking in a direction, it is relatively easy to change course. If you are stationary, everyone thinks, well, I'm just going to wait until I know exactly. No, start walking today, start doing something today creatively. And, you know, eventually the truest form of your podcast will appear. The, the idea that, you know, productivity was where you really wanted to focus. It appears. And there's a lot of different reasons for why that happens, but you have to start now. So as we get close to wrapping up here, that's a really good point because, I mean, as I just said, as of this recording, I've just published the first episode of my YouTube show that's going to be weekly. And the commitment to doing it every single week is going to be, it, it, it's it's something I've committed to. It, it, there's a little bit of a, a daunting factor to it. You know, there's a bit of a, you know, well, there's all these other YouTubers out there. Who am I to do something like that? There's all that, all that stuff shows up, fear. Hell, the Green Lantern ring is is why <laughs> it's one of the things that it's one of my avatars. But my, do, when was the last time you went back and listened to your first episode or an early episode of your podcast? Because that's that's the thing that keeps reminding me that hey, look, you know, it's okay when you start. It's okay to sort of kind of suck. You're not going to be as good <laughs> as you are later. Uh, I think that not enough people look back or reflect. They're always spending a lot of time looking forward or looking too far ahead. Um, you talk about the driving the car metaphor, you know, the headlights. I mean, when you're driving a car, you're supposed to be constantly scanning, not just what's right in front of you, what's far away, what's to your left, what's to your right, what's in your rear view. That's what you're supposed to do when you're driving. And eventually, uh, if you get really comfortable driving, you just end up looking what's right in front of you. So uh, do you, how much do you time, time do you spend like reflecting, looking back at what you've built, uh, you know, and, and just kind of seeing, Hey, look how far I've come celebrating how far you've come. And also, you know, maybe looking at through a critical lens saying, Hey, am I, am I where I want to be? Here's how, here's what I can do to, to, to make some changes so that I course correct a little bit. Mm. Well, first of all, I love that how you added some color to that driving analogy. I want to think more about that. I really like that. I'll tell you what, I am superb at helping others see how far they've come. <laughs> you teach, know, I teach what you need to learn the most. Right? Oh, man, I have <laughs> colleagues. Are you I say to them, do you realize that two years ago you were X, Y and Z and now you have this kid and you, you realize that when you first started speaking, you do you, I was there for the beginning. And now all of a sudden we, we turn it around to, to, to Mr. Podcast here and, and all of a sudden it's not so easy. Now, I did have Ryan Hawk on my first episode and um, he's a podcaster I respect a lot and we've, we've since kept our dialogue going. So I have gone back to that one and, I, and I'll tell you, it's not pretty, right? Mm. If anyone's a new listener, I always tell them and I wonder if you tell people the same thing. If you're going to start my podcast, do not start at episode one. Yeah. Like do not think you have to go through the entire Mike Vardy collection, right? No. And, and same thing for Joe Ferrar. Like, ask me what you're interested in and I will tell you what episode. So I, I sometimes say, you know, the, the episode 21 and on, it got, like, I found my groove, yeah. right? Yep. And, I, and I think that's, that's, everyone has that. So the direct answer to your question is, I'm incredibly good for, with others, need to get better with myself in terms of looking back. But I do think it's a fine line because if you can get to that point where, now, episode two, you're like, well, I didn't like that. 
you got to ask yourself, at least I have to ask myself, will going back help me celebrate or will it fill me with, oh my goodness, regret? I'm one mistake away from being this guy. Again. Yeah, you, that's where shame can show up, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is I think a lot of people when they're starting something new is they look to, I mean, again, bringing video to the fore. I mean, you look at a guy like Casey Neistat or you look at a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk or you look at any of these people that are making amazing videos and you're like, oh, man, I, I, I want to make them like that. But you have to remember that if you watch the first episode of Wine Library TV and Gary's yes. talked about it, <laughs> like you're like, yes. that's where he was. And now, you know, and it's the same for, you know, uh, like people who listen to this podcast and, and people who listen to your podcast and they're just getting started. It's like, remember, um, your your first podcast will probably start off like, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get to where you are? And and those things show up and and, and that's okay. But then eventually when you say, you know, that's either, either you evolve which means you get better at asking those questions or you decide that's not necessarily the way you want to go. Instead, you want to create more of a conversation and you get better at creating that conversation and you don't get as caught up. Because, I mean, some of the people you've had, I mean, you've, you've talked to Seth. I remember the first ever, actually, it's funny, when I was doing the comedy parody stuff for Productivity, so this is back before Productivityist and all that, I interviewed Seth Godin in this character of like a Stephen Colbert-esque version. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he, I still have it. I got to find it. And I was really, after the interview was done, I was like, because all I did was ask him. And he emailed me like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And he got it and he played it straight. He let me be the doofus, ignoramus oh, kind of character. goodness. But during the episode, all I could think about is this is failing. This is failing so bad. This is, <laughs> and it's actually probably the best episode of all of those ones that I did because he bought in and he supported me. And I think that's the other thing, too, is that when you are, uh, you, you talked about the Jim Rohn quote, when you, it's. I think that can apply the five people you surround yourself with in various fields, not just as a larger scope, because I have friends here that I live in, you know, that don't necessarily get or do what I do and may not be at that level or whatever you want to call it. But then when I go to a conference, I'm hanging out with people that are, I think you can, I think that there is a, a variant to that quote where you could say, look, oh, if you want to be a podcaster and you want, then hang out with those five podcasters that you admire, that you, you aspire to be because, or pay attention to them because then you will get there faster as opposed to, you know, just uh, being part of a, maybe a smaller group where you're all just getting started. That's why masterminds exist for crying out loud. But oh, yeah, I think, so I, right. I, I think that, that, and I think journaling, I've talked about this before. I think that at the end of the day, no matter what, if you journal, and the, the, we talk about like a, a small change, there there is a five-minute journal physical book out there, and there's an app. Like, take a few minutes at the end of the day and say what, you know, either ask yourself very specific questions so that they're templated so it makes it easier or freeform write or whatever. Um, but I think if you do that, then it's going to reinforce those changes. Do you, do you journal, by the way, do you take time to do that at all? Well, it's funny. The five minute journal is yeah. my favorite journal. It's, yep. it's on my, my bedside table. It's on my wife's bedside table. My relationship with journaling has been, has been off and on. Yep. And I, and I, and I've often felt like the whole world says the journal, my, my thing is, yes, if you've never tried it a hundred percent, you, you really should, I invite you to. If you've tried it and didn't like it, I think the five minute journal is the best one in terms of entry level. And, and I shouldn't say it like that because it's a very simple and elegant tool. But then I think the other thing is, do we have time for quiet and to actually reevaluate? If you don't want to journal, if you're not into that, 
can you can you block off time where you're not napping, but you're you're actually just thinking things out? Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's no doubt about it. But I do want to make sure that we realize that you and I just became friends when we referenced when you referenced the Gary Vaynerchuk first wine <laughs> library. Whether you realize it or not, we became friends in that moment because my wife and I would watch those videos and just be enthralled. And if you were to go back and watch episode one through, I would just argue 30 maybe? Easily, yeah. Atrocious quality of production. Yep. Uh, kind of funny vibes during it. And I still loved it. And, and man, I think you just made me better in the sense that as you and I both separately embark on YouTube videos and we're very comfortable behind the audio mic, I can sense it from both of us. Now we're stepping outside of our comfort zone to be on camera more and you've done your talks, but the reality is that YouTube is daunting. And yep. if, if Gary V's, this wine um, tastes like Fruity Pebbles can be our, our, our North Star, I, I think we got something. And I, and, I, and I just love that, that you, that you were able to recall that. Well, and, and, and the interest, what, one of my biggest pain points of going into video was uh, having done comedy, one of the things that I learned doing stand-up um, initially was that no one cared about you. They just cared about the situations that you explained, that you need to be relatable. So when Jerry Seinfeld, and this comes from the movie Comedian and, and another comedian that I actually did a, a couple of gigs with, when you first, when Jerry Seinfeld first started, no one cared what Jerry Seinfeld thought or any of that. He just, his job was to go out there and provide relatable material that people go, oh yeah, I've come across that before. And yeah, that is kind of funny. But once he became Jerry Seinfeld, which again, it's sometimes it's just a joke away, an appearance on Carson, a, a trip to the couch, whatever, a, a, a killer set on Just for Laughs. It doesn't matter. Or, or in this day and age, uh, you know, a Vine video that went well back when Vine was still a thing and now they're on YouTube. You're, you're one step away from now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you're talking about because you're Jerry Seinfeld. Like comedians in cars getting coffee couldn't happen you know, when Jerry Seinfeld was not Jerry Seinfeld. Now people want, and Jerry Seinfeld is, is not, the show is not about Jerry Seinfeld. It's about other people that Jerry Seinfeld finds interesting. But the interesting thing about vid online video and YouTube in particular is that right out of the gate, it's, you, you have two choices. One is you can talk about situations like a standup would, and then hopefully you become somebody that they pay attention to. Or right out of the gate, you could just talk about yourself. You could do like, this is how I operate. This is, and that's not wrong. You will, you could, you know, find quote success. You could do well because, you know, people are looking for that personality just as much as the processes, right? And and I think that, that that took me a while to understand because I stayed out of video for the longest time because I thought, well, who who really cares about what I have to say as opposed to who people would care about the processes that I have to share. And and I think once I got past that, um, and I mean, yeah, I do it in my writing and, and audio all the time. So it was probably a fallacy for me to even consider it. But again, it's that imposter syndrome and it shows up. And you, when you're taught in conventional comedy or conventional television or whatever, that no, no one cares about you. They only care about the thing that you're delivering. Uh, and that, that the internet does not work that way per se, at least it doesn't work exclusively that way. I think it opens up the door for you to, to be more creative and to deliver stuff in a way that you might not be 
comfortable doing otherwise. What, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I know we kind of, I spitball on that a little bit, but what do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, this is a free podcast, you know, like let's just yeah. process that for a second, right? Like this is a free podcast where I just heard you talk through something where, where you really came to a realization about something deeply true about yourself. And I'm listening to it and I'm totally present and I'm having all kinds of echo thoughts. So I, I just always like to remind people listening, like uh, a free podcast can deliver that kind of change. I just love that so much. Um, you know, so many things you said resonated with me, whether it be Jerry Seinfeld, the fact that he would put a red X on every calendar yep. day. Um, just the goal was to write. If I wrote about comedy and like you, ne I never thought of Jerry Seinfeld as the craftsman. I thought he was this genius observer pulling things out of thin air. And it turned out he was the carpenter. I mean, mm -hmm. incredible, incredible lesson there. Um, I, you know, the word that I just heard, you know, just invisible ink throughout what you just said was permission. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, that P word has been incredibly powerful. The Internet in some ways gives too much permission in other ways, not enough. And I feel like, you know, the reality is my work got a lot better once I stopped waiting for permission. Yeah. Right. And I, th I think there's still more for me to explore both why I wait for permission so much and also why do why do we feel that we need it? You know, we, we wait for benediction from people on high sometimes that to give us permission. And I'm sure there's someone listening right now that's that's being encouraged by by what you're saying and hopefully by something that I'm saying. The time is now. You know, it's not about let's wait till it's perfect. You know, permission is granted. And I, and I think that's an important, important concept for those people that are looking to to make art. And, and I know it gets scary when you call things art, but, you know, if you're trying to change someone else, it can be argued that it is. So I, I think go do it now. You have permission. So go do it now because we're done. We're done this conversation. So whatever you're going to go do, go do it now. But before you do that, Joe, where can people find you and keep up with you? Because they need to do that first. They need to figure out all that stuff and line all that stuff up, then go make something. So where can they find you? I appreciate that, Mike. You know, my podcast is called 1% Better. Um, over 60 episodes since July of 2017. You mentioned Seth Godin. We've had Debbie Millman. We've had Chris Voss. We've had people of all walks of life that are incredibly, incredibly productive. Start where the one that kind of with the episode that grabs you. And, and that would be an honor for anyone to give me their time and attention to listen to that. And I think it'll make you better. Then after that, I think Ferraro on Air on Twitter is where I'm having an, an Instagram. Same handle, Ferraro on Air. Um, I'm posting everything there, um, trying to build a little bit of a tribe like you have. And it's just been so much fun. My website's 1percentbetterproject.com. But You'll find everything simply from through the podcast and the Twitter handle. And listen to this. We can we connected right through social media. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's a beautiful thing. And I don't say that lightly. Now, and, and you, you touched on permission and, and some people you know, taking permission is important. It's what you do with that permission. That's important, too. Same thing with social media. Um, and, and by the way, one other final point, when people say that they don't have time to journal, I immediately ask them if they have time to use social media and what do they share on social media? And I said, imagine if you shared that stuff in your journal instead of on social media, would social media be a better place? It probably you, would be. <laughs> yeah, you and I, you and I, we, we could talk for hours about the infuriating part of when people say they don't have time. Yeah. Let's yeah. just put that to bed and, and realize that we all have time. We have to decide how we allocate it. It's not shameful to say you're choosing something else. You do have time, especially if they're, they're listening to people like you and you've been an influence, Mike. So thank you. Thanks for being on the show today, Joe. Really appreciate it. Man, what a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. 
And that is how the conversation went down. Such a great time chatting with Joe. You can find all of the stuff we talked about, relevant links and all that stuff, of course, at the uh, the show page, which will be at productivityist.transistor.fm slash 222. And uh, again, you can also find that in wherever you're listening to podcasts. And by the way, wherever you're listening to these podcasts, whether it's this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you got them each and every week. So subscribe to the show. Just hit that subscribe button. And uh, that way you don't miss a single episode. Lots of great episodes coming up. I've recorded so many in advance. There's like just a lot lined up, including authors of forthcoming books. Don't want to spoil too much here, but there are some really great guests coming up over the next few months weeks and months. So I I hope you uh, enjoy uh, listening to these people chat with me. And if you do, then I'd love it if you subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed this episode on its own, or you've been listening for a while and you haven't done so yet, a rating and review helps people find the show and it helps us make the show better. So wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you're listening to it, just leave us a rating and review. And that way we can uh, look for those make the show better, figure out, you know, what is working well, what isn't, all that stuff. The feedback's really important. Plus, it makes the show more discoverable, which is exactly what we want. We want more people to find the show. Uh, big thanks to John Polster for producing the show this week. He produces each episode week in and week out. And speaking of week in and week out, if you want to keep track of what's going on in your life week in and week out, such as weekly sprints, monthly themes, your daily themes, the Now Your Wall calendar is where it's at. The link is in the show note, but if you go to newyear.net slash products slash now hyphen year, and then purchase either the tall or wide version of the calendar, and then you enter the code fresh start up until Groundhog Day 2019. That's February 2nd, 2019. You can get 20% off the Now Year Wall Calendar. And and uh, I'd love it if you pick that up. And if, you, if you're using the calendar, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And if, if you want to get in touch with me in general, askmike at productivityist.com is the way to do that. So there's lots of different ways for you to reach out to me. Just like I connect with you each and every week on this show, you can do the same. Again, askmike at productivityist.com. I don't give that email out every single episode. So bookmark that or or capture it or both (laughs) Uh, thanks to Joe for joining me on the show this week thanks to John once again for producing thanks to you for listening until next time I'm Mike Vardy the host of the Productivityist podcast reminding you to stop guessing and start going